Welcome to Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan, sponsored by the Norwin Wellness Center located in North Huntingdon. Dr. Susan Plank is an expert in natural remedies for weight loss and digestive health issues. To talk to Dr. Plank with your health questions, call 412-825-6262. That's 412-825-6262. And now, Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan. And on a day like today, my question is why? Why are you listening to me unless you have some headphones on and you're strutting around out in the streets taking in this weather? It's just gorgeous. If you have any questions and you are listening to me, please feel free uh, to give me a call during this broadcast, 412-825-6262. So, hello, thank you for joining me today, uh, and we are going to be discussing the five systems of the body that I believe we have to target to find the root cause of symptoms. So, we all know that's what we have to do. We just sort of, you know, we all keep dealing with symptoms, but we need to get past those and get down to the cause of the symptoms. So if that's something that concerns you, 412-825-6262. You know, again, you're listening to Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan. I am Dr. Susan Plank, the director of the Norman Wellness Center located in North Huntington. And that office number is 724-863-5420. So, um, Today, let's discuss prevention steps. So our prevention steps for cardiovascular health. February, right? Valentine's Day. We're going to, we're going to start to talk about cardiovascular health here for, for a little while. Um, so that includes heart failure, heart attacks, blood pressure, hypertension issues. What do we need to do? What are the preventative steps that we can start to isolate out what's going on. If you're already having symptoms, maybe you're already on medication for one of those conditions, what needs to be evaluated and is there a chance we can start to turn back those symptoms, right? Crank them in reverse a little bit. And how can we improve the symptoms that you're experiencing by, again, addressing the root cause of those? So you might be sitting there saying, well, of course, it has to do with the heart. And maybe you even say, hey, it has to do with the kidneys because we're dealing with hypertension. But it actually gets a little bit uh, more complicated than that. We're going to sort of meander through that today. But again, any questions, 412-825-6262. So we're over a month in to the new year. And let me ask you, where do you stand? Where do you stand with your health? Where do you stand with getting healthier, with trying to lose some weight? Um, I know I can honestly tell you I'm behind on my goals. Um, It's hard in the winter, right? But I've been moving. I've been getting moving. Um, But I'm still not where I want to be. I still haven't reached my goals. So what about you? Where are you at? What did you look at? And, and trust me, I'm I'm really not a New Year's resolution person. If it's 
if it's important enough to me, then I think, you know what, I should be trying to do it every day. And so that's the way when a new year comes around, that's, that's the way I look at it. That's the way I want to approach it. And every day, so every day I'm looking at my schedule, where can I plug things in, do things have to be moved around, but I want to get to them, right? I want to anchor in the things that are important for health. Otherwise, they tend to go by the wayside, right? So a very common one is, I don't really have the time. I don't have the time to hit the gym. But we're all busy. We're all busy. So we can't really use that one for an excuse. Because there's people we can look around that are way busier than we are, and somehow they make it happen, right? So we all have some area that could use some improvement. I know that, you know, no one's health is, is perfect. If it is, I'd love to meet the person. But what's it going to take for us to put some action behind the symptoms, right? How low do we have to feel? How lousy do we have to feel before we just say, well, I can't take it anymore, right? I'm just tired of feeling this way. I'm just, I don't want to feel this way. And it's time to take action because that's usually what happens? It usually is what happens. And that's human nature. I know it. We all know it. But sooner or later, we need to get there, right? So, you know, are you, are you more tired when you wake up in the morning than when you went to bed at night? Are you getting uncomfortably bloated after eating? And a month or so ago, you thought that was, uh, well, you know, too much of the good cakes, cookies, candies, all the stuff that float around at Christmas. And so maybe you just, yeah, I don't really have to change anything because this stuff's once it's gone, it's gone. And I'm not I'm not gonna be bloated anymore. I'm not gonna have these symptoms. I'm gonna stop eating this stuff so they'll I'll have an easier time to lose weight. And so that's sort of um, you know, let's get the pulse of the situation. Where are you? If you started out thinking this was going to be your year and that you were actually going to make your wellness or weight loss a priority, is it still a priority? Do you need help with a plan? Do you have a plan? So these are the things that I sort of want, and, and those of you that know me, I'm really not a pressure person. I want you to get there. I, I want you to be motivated. I want an active, happy, motivated participant because then we make a great partnership when we work together. So, but what is it? What is the symptom so we can find the cause? You know, maybe it is the weight and maybe you thought, well, I'm going to stop eating the goodies and it'll be easier. And now you're really more frustrated that now because the goodies aren't around, at least not for another couple of weeks, you know, the goodies aren't around and yet you're thinking, how can I possibly eat any less than I'm eating already and I'm trying to go to the gym and it's just not budging. That scale is not moving. These are all the symptoms I'm talking about the fatigue, the bloat, 
the weight gain or the inability to lose it. These are all symptoms that have causes. So of all these symptoms, and pretty much any symptom I can I can start to, and there's a few, there's always exceptions when it comes to health in the body, but I want to start to narrow down when someone shares their symptoms with me, what are the things I need to sort of tick off? What are the things that need to be evaluated? What are the parts of that person's body and what in blood work can we start to check to start to get a better idea of that cause? So rather than just sort of stay at the top and go from symptom to symptom and just evaluate symptoms, we need to find a way to start looking at the blood work to find the cause in the blood work of the symptoms that person's experiencing. And that's the thing that I'm honestly, I'm just really very good at. So, you know, it might actually be that the cause of some of the symptoms you're experiencing or maybe all the symptoms have just one cause. And yet we tend to, and this happens with medicine, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this more in depth later in the program, because especially with cardiovascular events, the, the medical profession wants to see a one-to-one correlation, right? Fatigue is, fatigue is going to be, well, you need to get more sleep. You need to turn off the screen. You need to do X, Y, and Z. And then maybe the second or third visit you show up complaining that you're still fatigued. All right, let's do some blood work. But even that, you might be lucky if you get the TSH done, That might take another visit of complaining because the original blood work is still okay. And you sort of get my gist, right? And unfortunately, a lot of you have been through this that, you know, you got to sort of beg them, can you you do more than just my TSH? Because it's always normal. And you always tell me I have no reason to be fatigued. And yet, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. So... The longer these things go on, the longer symptoms go on, if they're not recognized, and maybe you start to live with a symptom that becomes your new normal, in my opinion, these now get deeper and deeper in the body, meaning that instead of just, instead of maybe it just potentially being, oh, I get this burning feeling, I feel so bloated after I eat, well, that might only that might only you know happen for a few for a few weeks, maybe longer. But then maybe the next thing you're feeling is, wow, now I'm starting to be pretty tired. And that can take a practitioner that's trying to help you off in a whole different avenue, and not relate it to well. You've had this digestive issue, the acid reflux, the burning, the bloating, and you're not absorbing your food well, and the lack of nutrients that you're not getting from the food or the supplements you're taking has now gotten you to the point where you're fatigued. 
So again, that's what I'm talking about. The symptoms give us one level. It, it symptoms allow us to pay attention, right? Hey, warning sign, I have a symptom. But we have to do the investigation. We have to find out about the individual to find the cause. Again, we're going to sort of go through this. Um, five areas of the body that I think uh, must be evaluated, whether it's you're going in as a new client someplace, whether, you know, you're old school nutrition and you've been to who knows too many practitioners maybe. Maybe you're listening to this and, and you're new to functional nutrition, but, you know, you're just sort of tired of going back to your doc and getting the same thing that there's nothing wrong. Adrenals, your blood sugar, liver enzymes, thyroid, and inflammation. So those are the five areas of the body that they can start to cause symptoms really pretty quickly. And the longer they go, they're going to be more apt to, like I said, get deeper and start to affect other systems of the body. So a lot of you know how the importance I put on normal digestive function. And you could say, well, you didn't list digestion there. In a way, because, you know, the blood sugar is how efficiently our body can take in the food we're eating. Is it good food? And is our body able to digest it and absorb it to turn it into energy? So blood sugar is sort of reflective of digestion. Liver enzymes are going to be digestive or sort of reflective of digestion. And someone that has inflammation is definitely going to be reflective of digestion and the food that's that's coming in. So the, these five areas, so adrenal, blood sugar, inflammation, thyroid, and liver enzymes, they're really uh, sort of the the pillars. They're, they're sort of where I want to start to evaluate pretty much any single person that comes into the office where are they? And you're sitting here probably still scratching your head. I thought she just said this was going to be cardiovascular heart hypertension because all of these affect cardiovascular heart and hypertension. And that's exactly my point of doing this today because no one's probably ever connected these to those conditions for you before. And that's exactly what I want to show you. So we're going to start off liver enzymes, okay? Um, let's sort of look at uh, a lot of you. I know that you, you sort of get ready when I come on. You pull up your blood work. I should have I should have prefaced it at the top of the top of the hour to pull out your a copy of your blood work here. But but uh, if you can pull it up on your phone, on your computer, have it have it ready there. Um, if you're looking at your blood work, any of your past blood work, there's a very basic panel. It's typically called a CMP, and it might be a dash 10 or a 14, and um, comprehensive metabolic panel. 
That's all that stands for. And that's going to have blood sugar. It's going to have a lot of nice information on, but today we're, we're looking at those liver enzymes. So AST and ALT is what's going to be listed on there. And again, like I said, they're usually, that CMP is a very basic, one of the most basic lab panels. Now, to get it done, you still have to do it fasting, if it's going to be accurate, um, for the information for glucose. So glucose is going to be included on there, too. That CMP dash, if it's a 10 or a 14, is how many individual elements there are going to be tested there. And I like to do, personally, I like to do the CMP 14. So you will get a fasting glucose, liver enzymes, kidney function, things like that on there. So I'm trying to wait a little bit if you want to pull up your, your blood work. But the AST and ALT, they have the greatest concentration to be found in the liver. So they're enzymes. Their greatest concentration is found in the liver. But they can also be found in the heart, the muscle, and the red blood cells. So any damage to these enzymes allows it to leak into the circulation, and that's how we're measuring it in the blood. Okay? So AST and ALT, these liver enzymes, they can be elevated because of a condition known as NASH, N-A-S-H, which is a non-alcohol liver disease. The reason they separate it out, yes, they can still be damaged from alcoholic liver disease, but um, then the primary focus would be, hey, we need to we need to evaluate how much the person's drinking and can we get them away from it and then how much damage is done to the liver. In this, this NASH, this non-alcoholic liver disease, it is very common and we will see elevated liver enzymes. So this ASTALT will start to creep up. So sort of like being overweight, having diabetes, medications like cholesterol-lowering medications, conditions like hepatitis A, um, you know, too much drugs, or if you're sensitive to a certain type of drug. I've, believe it or not, I've actually in the last month had four folks coming in taking very specific medications to help their health, and yet when we got them away from the medication, we saw their liver enzymes drop down into the the normal range, um, you know, that that's pretty remarkable. But again, the liver has many different functions. So because uh, of that, we want to protect it and keep it as healthy as we can for as long as we can. Somebody might be listening out there that's in a lot of pain, joint pain, knee pain, back pain, you know, and taking acetaminophen, ibuprofen, these types of things that can increase the liver enzymes. Acute infections, okay, bacterial, but also viral, mono, um, those viruses, those can increase liver enzymes. And like I said before, so can alcohol consumption. Now the big ones, gallbladder disease and pancreatic cancer. It can also elevate the liver enzymes, and the longer it goes on, 
it's going to cause the skin to start to turn yellowish, which is known as jaundice. So gallbladder disease is going to be the most common. So that's going to be the most common uh, to raise the liver enzymes. So I know the medical profession is really keen on removing a diseased gallbladder. If it's at all possible, if we can catch it before the pain becomes just too intense, I prefer, for, if possible, that we save that gallbladder. It really truly depends on the progression of the disease, the, like I said, the pain level, and the other health factors, is if we can save it. I really like to try to use dietary changes, and there's a couple just fantastic supplements to try to clean out the gallbladder and flush out any sludge that's built up in there. So we are at break time. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about liver enzymes uh, and how it relates to overall health, but also cardiovascular health. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be right back. Are you tired, bloated, and struggling to lose weight? For over 25 years, Dr. Susan Plank of the Norwin Wellness Center has been helping patients restore energy, resolve digestive problems, and remove stubborn pounds. Blood work, when interpreted nutritionally, reveals nutrient malabsorption, digestive enzyme deficiency, and hormone imbalance. Fatigue, bloat, and weight gain are symptoms. Dr. Plank uses blood work to evaluate the biochemical and nutritional root cause of these chronic symptoms. Dr. Plank is an expert in blood work interpretation and using life lifestyle changes, and natural remedies to treat the overlooked cause of your health problems. If you think you've tried everything but are struggling with low energy, bloat, and weight gain, stop your frustration now by calling Dr. Susan Plank. Get your health and body back. Dr. Plank accepts telenutrition clients, or you can make an appointment with Dr. Susan Plank at the Norwin Wellness Center in North Huntingdon. Call 724-863-5420, 724-863-5420. That's 724-863-5420, and get your health and body back. Okay, welcome back. You are listening to Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan, the number 412-825-6262. If you have any questions, just give me a call here and let's see if we can get them answered for you. So if we're looking at gallbladder disease, some of the symptoms, pain under the ribs on the right side, bloated, gassy, passing gas, foul-smelling gas, can be pain uh, after you eat um, that radiates into the back around the the shoulder blade, the scapula, especially on the right side, can go to either side, but usually look for it on the right side, Um, can actually even be pain above the eyes as well. So all sort of gallbladder, liver, um, the uh, the effects can can those symptoms can be effects of either one. So if we're looking at gallbladder or inflammation of the gallbladder with the elevated liver enzymes, what we first need to do is rest the gallbladder and the liver, and that necessitates because the liver has that digestive function. We have to change the diet. We want to improve hydration, so we want to get some more water. Water does not correlate to coffee or tea. Water is water. I'll let you slide on some herbal tea, 
but otherwise, water is just water. It's not lemonade, iced tea. Water is water. Okay, guys? So we want to improve hydration. And what we need to do, because typically when the gallbladder is affected, the bile, it's the bile that's produced in the liver, and the gallbladder holds it. The gallbladder is like a little sack about the size of your thumb, typically, that sits up under those ribs on the front right side and under your liver. And that bile is going to be the consistency when it's normal of like motor oil, slippery, slimy, or vegetable oil. You know, it's slippery, slimy. It can be like a yellowish-green type color. And that slippery motor oil, that's that bile, what happens is if somebody's eating a high-fat diet, if the liver becomes toxic, overwhelmed from poor diet or food intolerances, inflammatory foods, medications, um, dehydration, the longer the liver aren't working too hard, and it can be due to the diet, weight, the medications, the dehydration, inability to detox, that gallbladder has to keep contracting. And like I said, that gallbladder, it's the reservoir. It's just the holding tank for bile. And if the gallbladder is getting inflamed and continually contracting, it's continually getting activated, compressing that bile to release it. What's in that bile is called bile salts. And now that bile starts to become thicker. And those bile salts are being compressed. And now it becomes sludge-like. So now imagine that vegetable oil or motor oil, and now we throw some sand in there. Right? It starts to get gritty. It starts to get gritty. So this person might start to notice belching, burping, rifting, bloating, maybe a little bit of pain, a stitch, right? That's an old-time term. Ooh, I get a stitch after I eat. So, but if it's not identified, and on the blood work, those that AST and ALT, it might go up a little bit, but it might it might not be like a huge jump. So even if you get the blood work done, then, you know, your levels might be low 30s, maybe 40s or 50s, something like that. But again, when we're looking at some of these normal ranges that these labs have, it's not enough that it sends off a warning sign if you're not looking for it. So, you know, you could be in intense pain. You go to your doctor, you even, heaven forbid, end up at the emergency room. Like, ugh. And they could say, well, spray your gallbladder. Let's take an x-ray. They're not going to see it, the sludge. It hasn't formed into stones yet, which is actually a good thing. And they're going to look at the blood work and go, mm, you know, your liver enzymes, they might be a little well elevated, but they're not bad. Um, they're going to sort of let you go. That's the time. That's the time when you get to a nutritional professional because that's the time we can still save the gallbladder. So as this happens, though, that gallbladder liver is going to continually be dehydrated. And those enzymes, those liver numbers are going to keep popping up. They're going to keep going higher. Okay? So if nothing changes, if the diet doesn't change, which is usually the cause, the 
the primary cause. But if the diet doesn't change or the medication's still going in or the person's still not drinking enough water, whatever the underlying cause was, chances are because this is when these symptoms are sort of intermittent. They come and go. So the person might be on the Internet looking for symptoms or they got the all clear from the doc or the, the hospital. So they just go back to the way they were doing things. And over time, these liver enzymes are going to keep creeping up and the inflammation in that gallbladder is going to keep getting worse. So those symptoms keep rolling on too, right? That's what happens. Symptoms keep rolling on. If you're not going to do anything to change them, if you don't stop it and reverse it, it's going to keep coming more frequent and getting worse. So you might then go from intermittent symptoms to now you feel like gassy or bloated, seriously, like all the time. You know, you eat the littlest bit and you're trying to run into the other room, you know, because you you feel like, oh, boy, here comes a big thing of gas that... I'm going to be embarrassed of this if this uh, <laughs> if I let this loose, right? But you might start to have some other symptoms, maybe some nauseousness, maybe you start to feel queasy. Pain might start become more frequent, become more uh, way worse than what it was. It's usually the pain and very very painful. Like the person's really doubled over with the nauseousness, even vomiting. And that's when they're going to the emergency room. Okay? That's, that's, that's a full-on gallbladder attack. And then they're going to want you to see a surgeon and da da da, da. So, so that, that's the steps to the process. And the further, unfortunately, you're allowed to go down that process from the medical profession or you don't realize your symptoms and you're down that, that process. So the more pain, the more nauseousness, the more vomiting, the more inflammation in that gallbladder, it's so much harder to try to reverse these processes. The good part is this can take many months or years to develop. The bad part is it's these symptoms, like we've talked about before, become someone's new normal, right? Oh, I just get gassy and bloated after I eat. It feels like a rock sitting in my... I don't know what's going on. I've just learned to live with it, right? So, in fact, what happens is when I look back at folks' labs, you know, they get these the CMP14 or CMP10 that like once a year is what their doc orders... And looking back over the last couple of years, I can actually start to see the pattern of these liver enzymes creeping up from year to year. And when I ask the, the client, they're like, oh, yeah, I've been gassy or bloated for, you know, it's been a few years now or for as long as I can remember. So the signs are there, right? The signs are there in the blood work. And the person has the symptoms, but no one put them together. And so, therefore, that process for that individual continues. So, again, it's the gallbladder disease, the liver issues, these elevated liver enzymes. It takes time to develop. And 
we can catch it with this little snippet of blood work. Even if that's just all they do each year is just that little snippet of blood work, it's beautiful because that catches the two two of the, the prime liver enzymes. There's a, there's a third one that I like to do on blood work, but it catches those two. So there's no reason, though, why we should be increasing year to year. It means that nobody's comparing the present to the past. And that's sort of another frustration level that I, that I have. That's sort of my whole goal, right, is I want to catch things early so they are preventative, so that we, we can change them, we can correct them nutritionally, we can sort of wind the clock backwards. But if you're seeing a provider that, that says, uh, oh yeah, they're all in the normal range, but they're missing, it could be a 10 to 20, maybe even 25% jump over your last year's numbers, now we have a problem, right? We have a problem that's getting missed. So gallbladder disease and how it affects the liver, um, you know, that's our wheelhouse, folks. It's diet. It's supplements. We want to save the gallbladder whenever we can. So if you have your, your last blood work or some blood work in front of you, take a look. AST, ALT, they should both be on there. Usually they're right beside one right on top of the other one there. I want them no higher than like the mid-20s. We'll just say 25. It's just a nice simple cutoff for you guys looking at it at home. If it's higher than that, it's starting to be the runaway train. If either one of them are higher than that. Okay? That's when it's time to give me a call. you you got to do something. If you want to do it naturally, then just give me a call. 724-863-5420. If AST or ALT or both of them are over 25. If they're like in the 30s or so, hey, we got this. We can, we can make some changes and usually we can get them right down. The higher they go, then, you know, it's really becoming more pressing and chances are you have a fair amount of symptoms going along with those higher those higher levels. Now, here's the other thing. If you have a couple of different labs, right? If you have labs from that you can pull them up from and go through your patient portal and pull them up for the last couple of years, take a look at those, especially if there's been a change in your diet, especially if there's been a change in your health or some medication, one of those ones I said, have been added in. Also, for folks out there, if you've if you've had to get chemo, take a look at those liver enzymes, AST and ALT. Where are they? Where were they before you were diagnosed? Where are they if they're checking them as you're going through chemo? If you're done, where are they now? Have they increased over time? Have they gone back down? So it's important where those levels are, but also the symptoms, gas, bloating, nauseousness, 
that we can start to see because again digestion we can start to see sort of a, an alternating um, constipation and diarrhea a lot with these these types of things so and keep in mind we can usually re- reverse this but we're looking at hydration we're looking at dietary changes and we're looking at adding in some supplements very targeted uh, and typically what I want to do, I'll recheck. I want this done quick. Um, it's, it's not something like, oh, yeah, six months, we're going to recheck it. I want to see it in, in weeks, three, four weeks. I'm going to be rechecking your liver enzymes. That CMP14, order it again. I want to see that we're getting these liver enzymes where they need to be. So something else I want you to understand the gallbladder and the liver, they're connected by what's called the common bile duct. This bile duct, it is tiny. It's like the end of a, the, the, the lead of a pencil, right? The tip of a pen, lead of a pencil. It actually delivers the bile and pancreatic enzymes to the intestines that aids in the digestion and absorption. So the production of that sludge and if it develops further into actual stones, kind of flush through because you're, you, you know, your your body wants to get rid of the sludge and the stones if it can. It can actually block that common bile duct. That's usually what starts to kick up the person's pain pretty good when those that that sludge starts to get more stony. It's also what's gonna if you wake up one day or you eat and you think, oh, I don't feel so good or you've had these symptoms for a while, and you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning, and you're thinking, oh, I got a little yellowish tint going on here. That's the jaundice I'm talking about, okay? But it can be faint. You don't have to be yellow like a, a banana, right? My mom, my mom's pancreatic tumor, it actually blocked her common bile duct. So a, a lot of folks now have known someone that's been diagnosed with with pancreatic cancer, and uh, it's so difficult, and, and now we've actually gotten into double digits first time this year. I just put it on my Facebook page not that long ago for survival rate for pancreatic cancer, five-year survival rate, double digits, 10. Uh, it's taken so long because we don't have good pain fibers in our digestion to let us know we actually have something growing in there. And so these tumors, and especially of the pancreas, can start to grow and actually get fairly big. And one of the symptoms to find them is the jaundice. So, you know, my mom's tumor actually blocked her common bile duct, and she got jaundice. And that's when I saw her. I saw her, I saw her two days before. She looked fine. She was tired, tired. We had just gotten back from a family vacation, though. She goes to the doctor the next day. She said, oh, you know, I just don't feel good. I'm going to the doctor. And she gets back from the doctor, and she said, oh, you know, he said, if you could, you know, help me out with some stuff around the house. Well, I showed up. She'd just been back from the doctor's office for an hour, hour and a half. My mom was yellow like a banana. That's the jaundice. Right? And I sent her to the hospital. She didn't want to go. I was just at the doctor. So, 
it's the yellowishness. It'll affect the skin. So if you notice, hey, I think I'm getting, you know, a yellowish tint coupled with these other symptoms, even the eyes, the whites of the eyes can start to turn yellow. Okay? So these are all things you want to you want to pay attention to, but hopefully you pay attention to those symptoms before you get to the point where it starts to affect your skin. So a localized problem, thicker bile in the gallbladder, if you don't, if you don't pay attention to the localized symptoms, what did I say over time? They're going to affect the whole person. And then you're going to get the jaundice skin everywhere. You're going to feel wiped out, nauseous, nauseousness, vomiting that type of thing. So if we're dealing with sludge, it can still pass through the duct. The duct is probably compromised, but it's like the sink that's, you know, that's draining slow. It, it, it can still, well, the fluid can still get through, um, but if nothing's done and it's let go, it's going to get worse. And so will the common bound duct. It's, it's going to get worse. Okay. So another one, and I don't want to lose you guys here with the terms, but in to complicate things even further is we have the common bile duct, but we also have, a, a, it's called the ampule evader. It comes down and it's actually carrying the pancreatic enzymes. So if you get a blockage down where that common bile duct's going in, it can block up and back up the pancreatic enzymes. That really, now you're not getting, you're not able to digest fats, you're not able to digest proteins. You're not able to digest carbs. You, you, you know, the person, even if they don't have the pain, they're going to feel pretty miserable because they just can't get their nutrients out of the food. So it really depends on where that blockage is and the size of the blockage and what's causing it, um, of how much inflammation, what are the symptoms, and how severe that pain is going to be. So again, your labs, check on your labs, liver enzymes, AST, ALT. Uh, they might be on there as an SGPT and an SGOT, but I want them no higher than 25. We have to act now if they are, right? Look for these signs, jaundice, that's yellowing, skin, eyes, dark urine, um, you know, those types of things. And you're just sort of not generally feeling well nauseousness, vomiting later on, even itchiness. You can even start to feel pretty itchy, okay? But initially, it's going to be that pain under the ribs, gassy, bloated, and that part there, that can go on months or years before this other stuff, when it starts, it's going to amp up pretty quick. So uh, time for another break. Let's take a break. You are listening to Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan. Great time. The breaks are a great time, folks. To call in for any questions, 412-825-6262. Be right back. Are you tired, bloated, and struggling to lose weight? For over 25 years, Dr. Susan Plank of the Norwin Wellness Center has been helping patients restore energy, resolve digestive problems, and remove stubborn pounds. Blood work, when interpreted nutritionally, reveals nutrient malabsorption, digestive enzyme deficiency, and hormone imbalance. Fatigue, bloat, and weight gain are symptoms. Dr. Plank uses blood work to evaluate the biochemical and nutritional root cause of these chronic symptoms. Dr. Plank is an expert in blood work interpretation and using 
lifestyle changes and natural remedies to treat the overlooked cause of your health problems. If you think you've tried everything but are struggling with low energy, bloat, and weight gain, stop your frustration now by calling Dr. Susan Plank. Get your health and body back. Dr. Plank accepts telenutrition clients, or you can make an appointment with Dr. Susan Plank at the Norwin Wellness Center in North Huntingdon. Call 724-863-5420. 724-863-5420. That's 724-863-5420 and get your health and body back. Okay, welcome back, everybody. You are listening, listening to Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan. I am Dr. Susan Plank, and the office number is 724-863-5420. So we're talking uh, about cardiovascular issues, heart um, hypertension for the month of February. At least that's where we're going to start off. That's what we're talking about today. But the different things that can affect those that aren't just strictly heart-related that might be missed. So in other words, somebody might be put on cholesterol-lowering medication, hypertensive meds. They, they, they might be, it might be um, a treatment, something like that. But these other conditions are underlying secondary conditions. And if they aren't found, they're actually what the cause is for the heart condition. Okay. So uh, we're just talking about the AST, the ALT. I did mention briefly there is a third liver enzyme. It's GGT. Uh, it is specifically for if there's damage being done to the liver. It's rarely ordered. Rarely is it ordered. But I like to include it anytime I'm checking out um, things and on blood panels because for me it evaluates how long someone has had the liver or the gallbladder issue. So if this has sort of been undulating symptoms for you for a while and you suspect, oh, I think it's my gallbladder, you know, but everybody, the, the professionals keep telling you no, give me a call at the office, let me check your blood work, let's see what's going on. Um, if we have to, we order the GGT because then we know if there's actually damage being done to the liver. So the longer something goes on, the more damage that can be done. It's a chronic, right? The AST and ALT are more acute, and the longer something goes on, we're actually going to see it tip over into that GGT being elevated, and that's that's more much more serious because now we actually have damage being done to the liver. So again, keep in mind that elevated liver enzymes are easy to find because they're on the most basic of the blood work, but they don't just relate to liver and digestive function. They're also going to be a strain on the heart and the cardiovascular system because the AST and ALT, the heart, if there's a heart muscle issue or a heart issue, we can actually see the liver enzymes elevating because of that issue, but it can be missed. Okay. All right, in the time we have left, again, any questions, give me a call. Let's start with the thyroid. So, again, you might be thinking, where the heck is she going here? Thyroid, we're talking about heart. Thyroid function relates to cardiovascular health, heart health, and hypertension concerns. Underactive thyroid or suboptimal thyroid 
is known for symptoms such as fatigue, thinning or falling hair, cold hands and feet, constipation. But many of the symptoms of both hypo and hyper, so too low and too high active thyroid, can be seen in relation to the heart and the cardiovascular function. If we look at cardiac output, meaning how much blood that heart is pumping, how hard cardiac contractility, how hard the heart is pumping, the strength of the contractions of the heart. They're going to affect the blood pressure, but also so is what's the resistance of all the vessels, right? If the resistance is is high, meaning the vessels are tighter with inflammation in there and the heart's really pumping, man, that blood pressure is really going to go up there. And we're looking at rhythm disturbances, right? There's a There's these... Fibers in the heart, they're called the Purkinje fibers. That's the heart's electrical system. We can see, start to see that start to misfire, and that's what causes an arrhythmia. But guess what? These are heart cardiovascular issues, but they can all result from a thyroid dysfunction. So what we're seeing is the cardiovascular signs and symptoms of thyroid disease. And some of them are the most profound and clinically relevant findings that accompany both and hypothyroidism. The recognition of these these thyroid symptoms and the thyroid disease related to like the suboptimal thyroid function, it allows us that now we can start to restore thyroid function to guess what we also see we start to reverse the abnormal cardiovascular. The number of folks that I go in and I start to balance their thyroid and they no longer need blood pressure medicine anymore. It's staggering over the years. Do I take them off the blood pressure medicine? No, but when we get them to the point where their blood pressure is too low, they go back and the doc's like, oh, wow, you know, you lost 20 pounds and your blood pressure is normal. Let's take you off the meds, Right. So I think it's, we have to, we have to discuss that the appropriate thyroid tests we need to do to establish whether there is a suspected thyroid diagnosis. So, and that there are nutritional therapies that we can restore that function. Okay, so not only do we get to identify and restore the metabolism, that thyroid hormone function, it's going to be inflammatory usually if it's Hashimoto's. Not only do we get to identify and reverse and restore that, but we also get the accompanying effects of improving heart symptoms, congestive heart failure, hypertension. And so that's the part that I wonder how many of you guys know you're walking around, right, with these symptoms or with a diagnosis, a cardiovascular diagnosis, and have you had a nutritional workup that actually assesses your thyroid function to get those inflammation and the hormone levels 
are they optimal for thyroid? So it's pretty much accepted that, that, you know, hyperthyroidism, that's an overactive, you know, that can cause atrial fibrillation, you know, and it can cause these heart arrhythmias and hearts racing. But it's a lot less that the lower, the underactive thyroid, hypothyroidism, can do the same thing. And I don't understand. There's a disconnect there. I don't understand why that's not recognized. So it's up to 15% of women are suspected of suffering a thyroid dysfunction meaning it's over or under, nobody knows, but the, something's off. So how many of those women then have some corresponding cardiovascular diagnosis? Because like I said, if we don't pay attention to the original symptoms, if nobody, if your healthcare provider doesn't recognize those symptoms early, what happens? It gets deeper in the body. It gets more widespread. It takes on other organs. So I'm going to diverge a little bit here, but I want you to keep in mind that what we're even talking about, it's still not widely accepted in the docs that you're seeing. So you can find studies that are out there. that are supporting what I'm saying. But you could also find studies out there that say if somebody's TSH is up to 20, that it's normal. There's no way. There's no way. (laughs) Right? I can assure you a person with a TSH of 20, they're going to feel wiped out like a snail. They can't get off the couch. They can't move. They're just tired all the time but in some medical practices. It's a, it's, they might not accept it, but it might still be a let's wait and see range. The wait and see range is when it was like 3.5 to 4, 3 to 3.5 even. Once it goes over that, it's time to act, folks. So this is what we're seeing, right? Thyroid is, is not only with, with heart disease, but we're seeing it as a culprit in anemias, atrial fibrillation, like I said, hypertension, like I said, high cholesterol. If your thyroid isn't balanced, it, your, your cholesterol is not going to be balanced. It's just not going to be. If your thyroid's not balanced, your blood sugar's going to be out of kilter. You could be overweight. You could be obese. You can have muscle aches and pains. So we need to recognize that the thyroid dysfunction can accompany these other conditions. But it also can be an unrecognized cause of them. It's not separate of that diagnosis. It's not even identified. They just go straight to a cardiovascular diagnosis. It can actually be the primary cause, but they haven't realized 
that the thyroid is suboptimal. It's a two-way street between the thyroid and these other conditions. The street goes both ways. Okay? So remember a couple weeks ago, we mentioned the importance of recognizing suboptimal adrenal dysfunction. We talked about seeing conditions and symptoms associated with aging, old age. We just sort of want to accept that those that's the inevitable. That's going to come. But those are reversible, and they're, they're related to the adrenals. It's the same, same thing here with the thyroid. We're seeing people with, with cardiovascular diagnoses that the thyroid hasn't even been identified, and it's the cause. It's the cause of the cardiovascular diagnosis. So, folks... Thanks for listening. I always appreciate it. I wish I get some more calls from you guys, but I do understand it is a gorgeous one. So I hope you get out there and enjoy it. Grab your loved one, your kids, your family, grandkids. Go out for a walk today while the sun's still out there. Enjoy yourself. Phil said spring is near. Let's enjoy it. Uh, Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan, hosted by Dr. Susan Plank of the Norwin Wellness Center in North Huntingdon. Dr. Plank is an expert in natural remedies for weight loss and digestive health issues. To make an appointment with Dr. Susan Plank of the Norwin Wellness Center, call 724-863-5420. That's 724-863-5420. And listen again for another edition of Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan, sponsored by the Norwin Wellness Center in North Huntingdon, here on KHB Radio.